welcome to an unknown adventure episode number 38. I am your host, Kimberly Ann, and on this episode, you'll meet Manisha Singh, who is a solo female traveler from India. She takes us through her year of backpacking and hitchhiking in South America. But first, a long update from me. I moved into full-time van life a week ago today, and it's been rough. I promised to tell my truth about van living as opposed to sugarcoating it, and my truth is that I may not be cut out for this lifestyle. I knew it would be hard, but it's even more difficult than I'd imagined. It's basically camping or glamping. I don't want to gripe and rant, but I do want to tell you guys what I'm experiencing. I did have a 24-hour honeymoon period, which was lovely. I know that most people who start van life start by driving too much, and I'm no exception. And then after a year, most people move into slow travel, where they stay a month or even up to three months in each place. But I only have a year, 18 months at the most, and there's too much that I want to see and do, so I'm going to be one of those that will make every mistake in the book, people. My first destination was Descend on Bend, which was a van gathering in Southern Oregon. And because of the thick smoke in California, my cousin suggested that I drive up the coast, which I did. I found two casino parking lots on the way up, and they were both fantastic. They have cameras, they're monitored by security, which is really nice, plus there are other RVers and van lifers there. On my third night, I had booked parking on Boondockers Welcome, which is an app, at a wonderful couple's house in Grants Pass, Oregon, which is an adorable little town. The couple were amazing. They were longtime RVers. They gave me tons of, of advice, and we talked about their travels. They've been all over the U.S. They've passed along some fantastic suggestions about where to go. Then Shonda Sinclair, who's the host of Van Life Pantry, which is a podcast, and she's starting a YouTube, drove an hour to meet me for dinner. And that was my highlight. We had great conversations, geeking out on van life and cooking, which is what her podcast is about, how to eat and cook healthily while on the road. I got to see her van and show her mine, and it was really fun. The next day, I drove to Descend on Bend, where I got to meet and camp with a friend of my cousin's, Heather, and her two friends. And that was the best part of that leg of my trip. Otherwise, Descend was not for me. In my opinion only, it was the worst parts of Burning Man. I don't want to offend anyone who loves Descend. I'm simply expressing my experience with it. It was dusty and windy and hot, which also happens at Burning Man. But at Burning Man, you get to wear costumes and there's amazing artwork and there's the temple, which is just phenomenal. And you get to burn things down and watch other people burn things down. At Descend, you had just the dusty, windy and hot. And then the loud music, which blared until 1 a.m., and I had thoroughly cleaned my van before I went. And within a couple of hours, it was just incredibly filthy, covered with a layer of dust inside and out. And my dog, Jake, was miserable. I had to carry him because it was too hot for him to walk. The main reason that I bought my tickets to Descend months ago, right when they went on sale, was to meet other full-time banners. But I did not meet a single one. I talked to about 25, maybe 30 people. And every single person was a weekend warrior. Now, I know that there were full-timers out there, but none of the people I spoke to were it. And I got pretty discouraged. When the smoke came in on day two, actually day three, 
I left and I drove up to my cousin's house in Portland to regroup. I do have a few takeaways so far. My word is freedom. And I felt a huge weight lift as I drove away from my apartment for the final time. On my way up the coast, I enjoyed the journey for the first time in my life, not worried about getting to the destination. And that's never happened to me before. And it was refreshing and enlightening. I love being in my van. It's gorgeous and it's cozy. I don't love the disorganization. I'm a very organized person. I haven't figured that part of van life out yet. I can't find half the things I need. And I know it's a learning curve. I plan to reorganize in the weeks to come and film it and put it on my YouTube channel. The van gets very dirty, very quickly. And I find myself cleaning up a lot. The floor, no matter how much I wipe it, always has a layer of dirt, even when I don't wear my shoes inside, which would be fine if I didn't use it to stretch and sit on. The countertops are stunning, absolutely gorgeous wood, but a drop of water on any surface stains forever. So I have to wipe up constantly. The water tank holds 25 gallons, which for some is a lot of water, but apparently not for me. I went through the first 25 in three days, so with just me and the dog. So that's a learning process. It doesn't help that I'm anal about cleanliness and order. Either way, I'll find a way to keep it clean enough, or I'll learn to let go and embrace the dirt and the chaos. Driving up to Portland was a smoke fest. I couldn't see 40 feet in front of me. It hung thick in the air, dark and cloying my nose and lungs filled with the toxins that will live there forever, cutting everyone who breathes them. That doesn't make sense in a sentence, but everyone who breathes these toxins, it's going to cut our life shorter. I donned my mask, but poor Jakey could not. So I was determined to find clean air. I love driving, but I also learned that driving five hours a day every single day is too much for me. I don't want to drive every day even three hours a day, which is kind of my max happy driving point. I want to have time to work, to exercise, and to enjoy life. But my first week was too much driving. I also know that balance is elusive in van life, and I have yet to find it. But yesterday, I finally stretched and exercised a little bit, and I felt slightly more at home. Right now, I'm at my cousin's house for a couple of days, and I actually kind of miss being in the van, which I'm taking as a good sign. But I also missed laundry and showers, which I have here. It's only been one single week, but I've been around more people in fun and leisure situations than I've been around for the past two years, maybe longer. And I know that a lot of van lifers complain about being lonely on the road, and I'm sure I'll get there. But I have never been more alone or lonelier than I've been these past six months when I begged friends for help moving. And 90% of them said no. So I did most of it myself. I've already learned so much about myself and friendship and compassion and forgiveness. And I know I'll just keep on learning. I did this to push myself past my comfort zone. And that is happening. I did this to live life instead of watching it pass me by. And that's happening too. I could keep talking and sharing and telling you all so much more. But the interview with Manisha is fantastic. And it's time we get to it. The disclaimer. I split it into two parts. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much for listening. Hey everyone, I'm Manisha Singh. I am a solo female traveler from India. And I started traveling full-time in late 2016 when I quit my corporate job because I was so unhappy in Mumbai. 
I decided to change things drastically. And the only way I saw that happening was if I could quit my job and travel full time, which I did. And I decided to travel to the other side of the world, which for me was South America. I went for a couple of months, but I ended up spending a year in South America backpacking. Yeah, so that's where I began uh, traveling full time. And currently, I am in a really small town called Kodai Kanal in the southern state of uh, Tamil Nadu in India. Because of pandemic, I am not traveling all that much. And the situation in India has gotten really bad. So I'm, I'm staying put here. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, we hear that it's really bad there. I'm so sorry to hear that. So in 2016, that was a long time ago that you started. And we talked a little bit over email, like what were people's reactions and what are people's reactions now? So when I decided to quit my job, I actually didn't share the news with a lot of people. I shared it with my mom. She was very encouraging because she knew I was very unhappy. But once I did, I had already quit my job and I was serving the notice period the last three months at my work. And I think it was in the last few weeks that I actually chose to inform my friends. And the reaction I got was really mixed. Like one really good friend sort of stopped talking to me. Like he was so pissed that I was quitting my job. And then there were some friends who told me on my face that this was a terrible decision. I am going to regret it in the future. But I didn't let it affect my decision and which is exactly why I had not informed anyone because I didn't want to let any of these opinions affect my decision because only I knew what I was going through and I believe that no one else understands the gravity of the situation. So I continued with my decision and once I returned from South America after a year, everyone all my friend circle, my entire friend circle, my acquaintances, I was getting messages from many people. Some people had not spoken to in years, telling me how inspired they were by my travels. And I continue to get such messages. Some people would randomly tell me, you do know that you inspire us. So that feels nice because of my travel writing. There are a lot of strangers who also get in touch with me. I especially like hearing from solo female travelers. So that's also quite encouraging. Yeah, I bet. Wow, that's amazing. So all the people, even the people that told you you were making a terrible decision, they talked to you again after the year? Yes, they did. And they were, I mean, they were quite appreciative. Oh, that's good to hear because I'm, I'm running up against some of that right now. Oh, uh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And then I wanted to ask you about South America because I'm from the United States and I'm too scared to actually travel by myself in South America. Mm -hmm. How did you feel traveling as a solo female in South America? To be really honest, before I headed to South America, I had my apprehensions because if you remember, 2016 was the year of Olympics, which had happened in, I think, yeah, in Brazil. And it was during that time that there were a lot of videos of mugging on the streets in Brazil. They were being floated around on Facebook. So I had seen one such video, which was like a collage of young boys picking phones from tourist hands and was quite scary. So I had my apprehensions, but I had also already made up my mind that I was going to travel in South America. And I was mildly aware, at least, of the challenges that travelers face in India as well. So I just told myself India is also a difficult country to travel in for some people. So in South America, I would have different challenges. I used to travel a lot in India by myself also. So I thought I was somewhere prepared for these things. I definitely feel as an Indian, I was more prepared for these things as in being more cautious of my belongings on the bus, 
pickpocketing and stuff what i was not prepared for was mugging because that's not common in india so yeah that's something that i was not prepared for but there are also other things that was a pleasant surprise like, i didn't feel that i was being particularly targeted because of my gender which at times i do feel in india yeah and so did you get mugged while you were there i actually did 6 months into my travel yeah about 6 months into my travel i was in the capital of colombia bogota at a very popular tourist destination in the middle of the day at around 4:15 4:20 i was walking back from the tourist destination i was in fact being accompanied by a local person and uh, yeah three masked men jumped out of nowhere uh, they each had a machete and they took my bag which had unfortunately had my passport my bank cards that day because for some reason i was going to withdraw cash that day and i had to book tickets for which i needed original passport so it was the worst day to get mugged and i got mugged that day oh no yeah hold it uh i'm over it now <laughs> yeah of course yeah that does go with traveling it can happen uh, like you said it can happen in india it can happen in the united states it can happen anywhere yeah i was going to say maybe not with machetes yeah what traveling in india had prepared me for was pickpocketing and petty crimes being cautious of my staff watching over my shoulder but that was something that i was not prepared for at all and uh, so i completely agree such things can happen anywhere but they happen in a different capacity like i still can't imagine such a thing happening commonly in india so i feel as travelers we have to be mindful of what kind of crimes are common in that country and be prepared for that Yeah, that's a really good point. When I went to Italy in 1990, the crime mm-hmm. was for gypsies to put and I don't know if they still do this, but to put cardboard over you mm-hmm. like run mm-hmm. run at you with cardboard and then underneath the yeah. cardboard they would cut off your whatever you had, your camera and this oh. and that. Yeah, and yeah. I remember at one point and I knew about it before I went, so I was really careful. Mm-hmm. I didn't carry a camera or anything. And then at yeah. one point I was standing with a bunch of policemen and they were like, "Look, watch this." And and it was a bunch of gypsies that were actually robbing an American tourist that way. Oh. The cops were just laughing. And Oh like, my god. <laughs> yeah, and they were like, "Look, watch, this is really funny." And and it's for some people that's their livelihood. And so you just yeah. have to take precautions. And in Barcelona, If you stay there long enough even my friend who lives there you get your phone yeah. stolen. It's quite common in Bogota also in Colombia and I actually felt really bad about how normalized mugging is in yeah. Colombia. So I after being mugged there to sort my documentation it took me almost 2 months so I volunteered at a hostel for 2 months and in those 2 months I heard innumerable stories from fellow travelers of being mugged try someone trying to mug them and it just really normalized there that i remember every time i would share the story because of course people were interested why is an indian stuck in bogota since so long and every time i'll share it most people laughed their first reaction was that they would laugh and i thought that was really indifferent so i didn't really appreciate it yeah. but i got used to it and why do you think they laughed because it was just so normalized so i think they were laughing because it is so normalized 
or and i think some people laughed because they didn't know how else to react it's a very awkward situation to be in someone you want to talk to is in your country like people were really interested in my culture they want to genuinely wanted to talk to me and then they want to talk to me and the first thing they know is this person is stuck in your country because she got mugged so i think it's also maybe um an awkward situation for some people they don't know how to react in such a such a situation and the first thing that comes out is laughter yeah no that makes sense that totally makes sense now did you end up really liking south america did you have a favorite place there yeah oh my god i absolutely loved my one year in latin america i say this that no matter what else i do in life i would not be able to top this gift that i gave to myself when i was two months short of turning 29 when i left i don't think i anything i would ever do again would match this i loved my time there my favorite country i find it difficult because every country is there is so beautiful but i have a special place in my heart for argentina and i think it's because it's the first country on my trip that i properly traveled in as in it was the first country i did land in brazil but i spent only 10 days there because i knew i'm going to end my journey there mm-hmm. uh, so i was i left travel towards the for the end So Argentina was the country that I was properly traveling in and I was hitchhiking and all the romanticism around travel like you hitchhiking living with strangers living on farms all of these things actually came true which is why I feel Argentina remains special for me and Patagonia region was quite safe so I could hitchhike there and I really wanted to hitchhike it's great for hiking I like alone which is difficult as a solo female traveler in many countries So I uh, yeah that's why I think I like Argentina a little better than other countries but I do love all the countries that I visited and the people like one of my best friends is Argentinian and I just every time I meet an Argentinian I'm like oh, I love you yeah I know <laughs> Argentinians are some of the warmest people I have ever met, met. they're always laughing they're always sharing mate around the yeah. culture itself is such that it encourages warmth in the community yeah yeah i feel like cuz i i really want to go just because my friend is from there but she lives here yeah. now and i keep thinking maybe i'll just wait till she's cuz she goes back to <laughs> her family maybe i'll just wait till yeah. she's there before i go on a trip yeah. there or something yeah why not it sounds like a great idea and when you know a local person it makes things so much easier and you'll get all the inside tips and everything yeah Yeah, and so did you feel in danger any other time in South America or not? There were a couple of times, but I think the closest I came to feeling threatened was uh, once when I was hiking in Guatemala. Yeah, I was hiking in Guatemala by myself. Um, I had nearly completed the hike. I was already in the national park that I wanted to visit. There were these beautiful waterfalls there, and you had to go up set of stairs it's in the forest and then you go down to reach those waterfalls so i was climbing up and i saw a guy he was wa- walking by himself and he was wearing one of those forest ranger shorts so i didn't feel threatened when i looked at him but he he gave me funny reaction and he asked the usual questions that i used to get as a solo traveler are you by yourself where are you headed things like that when he asked me are you by yourself i was a little confused because he of course he could see behind me there was no one else and he was walking in the opposite direction so he must have known that there was no one ahead of me i i didn't get any safe vibes from him we passed 
and i was just waiting for enough time to pass so i could start running continue my hike and i turned around to check if he has left and he was going down he had no there was no need for him to stop i was going uphill so i was stopping more often but he was going downhill and when i turned around a few minutes later he was looking at me and i was just really i was really scared to look at him and then i passed as soon as i turned to a point from where i knew he can't see me i ran for my life wow so that that moment i remember not feeling safe yeah yeah and then you had to run uphill <laughs> Yeah, I had to run uphill, but I just ran for my life. And this other time, I was being stalked again in Bogota when I was waiting for my documentation stuff. But then I knew this person was stalking me. It was so clear. He didn't even try to hide it, and was not like one of the. It was the periphery of the tourist area, which is not very safe. But I had taken a bus, so I was walking back to my hostel from there. But I had learned a lot in that month in Bogota. So I saw police coming from the opposite direction. I just stopped them. I stopped them, and in my broken Spanish, I explained to them that this person is following me. They didn't do anything about it. However, I forced that police official to accompany me to my hostel, which he did. Wow! See, that is amazing. <laughs> I tried to do that in Germany. I was being followed, uh, and I okay. saw. I, yeah, I found a policeman, and he refused to call me a cab. <sighs> yep. Yeah. My God, that's. Yes. It's horrid. Yeah, even in this situation, I was so surprised that I knew that my Spanish is not great, but I I knew enough to explain to this officer that this person is bothering me. I might not have explained that he's following me, but I made it clear that I'm not comfortable by his presence. This person was just standing there, the my stalker, and police did nothing. He just casually walked out. Yeah. Yeah, it's so weird how the police—they don't like in America. If you said something like that, they would. The police here don't do a lot. There's a lot of stuff yeah. they do, but that is something they would do. Yeah. yeah, it's so weird. And then, so after South America, where did you go? South America. Then I from Colombia, I flew to Mexico, then Belize, and then Guatemala, then went back to Mexico. So a little bit of Latin America. And then since then, after that, okay. So after this Latin America trip, I came back to India. Then I traveled in the southern part of India. Then I, there are these beautiful islands in India, Andaman Islands. So I went there uh, for two months, and then I looked for work because when I returned from South America, I almost finished my savings. So I had to start looking for work. I took up a project which was also in a tourist town. So I spent seven months there. After that, I continued traveling. So I went to Nepal. I traveled in the northern part of India. Then it was time to look for work again. So I looked for another project. And now, yeah, because of this time, I would have been traveling. But because of COVID, I'm staying put at one place. Uh, but it's a beautiful tourist destination. Are you able to work now and save money, or? I finished one a long term project. I was looking for work, but because of COVID, there are not that many projects available. So right now, I don't have any project going on. Yeah. And and what kind of projects do you do? It has actually been different. When I returned from Latin America, I was taking up anything. I took up random projects to earn money. I taught English to someone. I took up writing assignments. But my long term project, uh, the first project that I got after returning was setting up a backpackers hostel for someone. Oh, cool. so that was a long term project. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Went oh. back to working in human resources, which is what my education is. So that was my last project. Now I'm looking for something similar in human resources, but the market is not in great shape. So I'm not getting the assignments that I'm looking for. 
I was doing communication design for some people, freelancing. So that went on for some months. And I do my travel writing. Mm-hmm. Are you able to earn a little bit from that? I had just monetized my blog before the pandemic hit. So I had just about started making money when the pandemic hit. And the Google algorithm changed, which didn't really help my blog. And because I was working on a full-time project back then, I couldn't give my blog that much time. I'm back to it, but I've not, I've taken off advertisements because right now I'm focusing on getting the traffic back. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think traveling from what I hear is just starting up again in a lot of places. Not in India. Yeah. Not in India. No, not in India. Yeah. A lot of my Indian, um, my readers were from India. So I lost that traffic. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. You guys didn't get the pandemic for a long time. And then now, yeah. because of the whatever new strains, it's just yeah. And are yeah. there vaccines there? The vaccines, yeah, but it rolled pretty late. In this town, I was staying with my friends and they're both 60 plus. So they have gotten their first shot. But the second shot, there's a shortage. So they've not been able to get their second shot yet. It's already been uh, seven weeks since they got their first shot. My parents have not gotten their second shot yet. So 1.5% of the population is vaccinated is what I've read. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's not very Yeah. 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 In fact, 18 to 45 age group started only yesterday. So they were doing age group wise. Earlier it was 60, 65 plus, I think. And then it was 45 plus. So my age group has only started yesterday. Oh, yeah. 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 That's understandable. And then, so how do you find work? I know a lot of people that want to travel full-time are worried about how they're going to work on the road. How do you find your jobs? So the the gap year that I took, it was with the full intention that I was not going to look for work. I just wanted to focus on myself, my happiness. I didn't look for work. After that, I was anyway looking for online work. So earlier I was looking at content mills. I found some work in Upwork. And then I really took up such random projects. They have come from different places. Mm -hmm. That I filled surveys. That was good. What else did I do? These long-term projects were different. Like my last long-term project, I found the opening on Instagram. Yeah, I think if we keep our eyes open and we start looking at opportunities on every platform we can, yeah. now with the remote work culture really picking up, I think it should be easier for full-time travelers to find work on the road. Yeah, I think so too. And then are you, so you're not planning on stopping. As Do you feel like this is your life now? Like as long as you can see as far ahead? This You mean a long-term travel? Yeah, full-time. I really enjoy travel. However, my travel style in the last five years itself has changed quite a lot. In the beginning, when I started traveling, I would travel with a checklist. I I remember my first trip outside India was in Sri Lanka, which was for a week. I barely slept on that trip. I just wanted to do everything, wanted to see everything. But I don't travel like that anymore. I go to a place. I generally like to spend a month at a place. So I travel really slow. What I really like and what would be ideal lifestyle for me would be to take up long-term projects like six months or a couple of months and then travel full-time for the next few months. That is something that I really enjoy. But it's difficult to keep up that kind of lifestyle because consulting projects in India, at least in my field, 
uh, slightly hard to come by. Are you thinking that, oh, I don't want to be a full-time nomad. I want to have a home base. Or are you thinking, no, I want to spend six months in one country I've never been to. And then six months I, in a different country. I, de- I don't see setting up roots anytime soon in fact i don't even know like i struggle with the definition of home there's no place or no person that feels like home to me so setting up roots is definitely not happening anytime soon if i have a long term project and they if they expect me to be physically present then i don't have a choice i have to be there but my preference is to actually find remote work in remote working i like to spend uh, maybe a month at a place mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, a month. That's <laughs> that's so funny because most people are like, that's not long at all. But it is when you're traveling. Oh, yeah, a month. I For me, I have realized a month is an ideal period. After a month, I've realized that I start seeing the issues in the place. And then I don't get as excited about things in that place. So I've realized a month really works for me. And how about the people that you're meeting? Are you meeting a bunch of people that you don't want to leave, that you feel sad about, or keeping in touch Mm. with, or how's like the community aspect? Yeah, I'm sure all travelers struggle with it. It's so difficult to find a balance. Some of my best friends today are people I've met while traveling. The people I kept most in touch with during the pandemic are the people I met while traveling. When I'm upset, these are the people I reach out to because they... I feel they really understand what I'm saying. They get it. Their lives are so similar to mine. Their journeys are similar to mine. However, I find dating can be a challenge. Other than that, but I've gotten really, I've gotten so much better at saying goodbyes. In the beginning, I would be teary-eyed every time it was time to say goodbye. And I thought, oh my God, I'm never going to get used to this thing where you meet someone, you like them, you have great conversations. And then two days later, you're parting ways and you probably will not meet again. But now I'm, I'm much better at it. If I really like someone, I do keep in touch with them. Yeah. And how is the dating going? Do you, because for me personally, I'm not interested in dating so yeah. that's off the table. So I, I feel like yeah. that's a big, ah, like it's just a big relief. Like I don't have to worry about that, but I'm old. Like you're super young. So how is that working for you? I mean, I'm 33. So I don't know if that's super young. <laughs> yeah, I'm really 55. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but yeah, it's so subjective. When I uh, started traveling full time in 2016, I was traveling because I was really upset in life. And at the core of this sadness, was the fact that I had parted ways with someone who I thought was my soulmate and I could not imagine life without him so I was really sad I was not even over that fact that life was is was going to be different from what I had imagined so dating was not something that I was prepared for and uh, I was not looking for dating either so that one year I was very chilled and when I returned to India I had returned such a person like I uh, really understood what I wanted in life my definitions of many things changed and I really wanted to focus on myself when I returned and I knew that dating did not have a place in that in those plans that I had for myself after returning so I consciously didn't date for a long time after returning and now even if I want to date there are no options because there's a pandemic (laughs) right right that's true Yeah, but it's difficult because in the last few journeys, I have met guys that I've liked, 
but then i can't really do much about it because they are generally from different countries indian passport is quite weak it does not allow me to travel on a whim especially to countries where where uh to get visa for is difficult like schengen countries i can't get schengen visa on a whim so it becomes quite challenging for gen so then i can't pursue anything so it's complicated yeah yeah it does sound that way yeah Yeah, I've heard yeah. this. I've heard the story of yeah. It's like sometimes that people have a whirlwind romance and then they part ways and yeah. then have another whirlwind romance. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think I'm tired of even taking a liking for a guy because you know how it's going to end. Yeah, totally. Now, so can you go to Schengen countries and stay for the 3 months? I can definitely apply for a 90 day visa. However, it doesn't come that easy. I've never applied for a Schengen visa because I've after I quit my job, I've never had a full-time job. So it becomes difficult for someone like me who doesn't have a job. I don't have much savings. I'm single, I'm jobless. so it could be the i my visa could easily be rejected oh visa request because as an american we don't need a visa to go for 90 yeah. days we can just go for 90 days and we can leave the, we can leave shangan and go to england for 90 days and then we can come back to shangan yeah, for 90 I days i know <laughs> i know when i was traveling in latin america i used this used to pinch me so much because almost everyone i would meet they were traveling like that they didn't have to think about visas whereas for ma for me the journey was so complicated because many of these visas i had to get in india while i still had a full time job wow. and these visas wow. i lived in mumbai some of these embassies were only in delhi so i would have to travel to delhi to get the visa it was so complicated yeah so i can't do that <laughs> to go to europe uh, just with my passport Yeah. So in India that sucks. So in India do you have a favorite place? <laughs> okay. Great. Uh I don't have a favorite place in India really. There's so many beautiful places. India is an amazing country to travel in. It's super cheap. There's so many beautiful places. My only issue with India is it's not the safest country for a woman to travel in. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the place where I'm at right now, I quite love the place. I've spent many months in this place. but that's not so much because of the of course the place is lovely but it's more to do with the people i have met here the friends that i have it's because of the community that i got to know that i like coming back to this place yeah and where are you it's called kodaikanal okay it's a small and- hill station in the southern part of india okay and so what would you suggest to like so- solo female travelers it, like the safest places in india I quite like traveling in the northern state of Himachal Pradesh. It's quite popular among travelers and that's a state where I felt quite safe walking around by myself after sunset as well. Generally my rule is anywhere in the world that I try to be back to my room by sunset. Oh me too. But, yeah. But that was one state where I felt okay coming back after sunset. I wouldn't do it all the time. but the few times that i had to do it it felt okay and then the northeastern states in india are considered to be safe i've not traveled much in the northeast but i hear from other travelers that they feel safe traveling in the northeast part of india and and what about the islands that you mentioned in the south oh yeah so these andaman islands they are really safe as well but they are not very backpacker friendly they can be quite expensive 
because everything is coming from mainland india there was no as far as i remember there were no hostels i don't know if things have changed now but early 2018 there were no hostels so just taking a room by yourself can become quite expensive for a long term traveler yeah yeah totally that makes sense and then where do you see yourself going next when you know when travel is opened up for you oh wow <laughs> my plans never materialized but i was really hoping because i was looking forward for my project to to end so generally after completing a long term project i like to take a few months off not worrying about the next project i just like to travel full time and i was I was really looking forward to doing that in Southeast Asia this time. I wanted to travel overland to Myanmar and then find my way south until Indonesia. But yeah, pandemic happened and Myanmar is going through a tough time, so I don't see that happening anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah, Myanmar is not a good place right now. Yeah. Course, yeah. It's awful. So that overland journey is not happening. So do you like plan your next trip or do you see what's going on in the world right now? It's okay to travel and so how do you decide? I not really. I don't plan so much. It really depends on how much time I have and how much money I have and I like to mostly travel overland. So like the last time uh, when I had taken a couple of months off, I was in Varanasi which is in the northern state of India and I realized when I was there I realized I'm so close to Nepal so then I made my journey to Nepal and I ended up spending a month there so I like to travel like that it's only when I have other commitments like if I have a long term project and I have to seek someone's permission to take time off then I have to plan otherwise when my time is my time I like to see where can I find cheap flights for that's about it oh that sounds good I like that <laughs> and then how did you like Nepal I loved it. I think it's for someone who enjoys hiking it's a beautiful country. It's still I know people who have traveled to Nepal a decade earlier they don't they're not very happy with the changes that have happened but I found it so beautiful. I felt it was still in its original form. You could go hiking anywhere and you would find someone who would be ready to host you. So that homestay culture is very part of Nepal and for a hiker it's heavenly and Yeah, I found it beautiful. Yeah. Wow, that sounds great. Yeah, I've always wanted yeah. to go. It's definitely on my bucket list. Now, do you travel with just a backpack? One main backpack. It's not too big. It's 48 liters or spray that I got in Mexico actually. And I have a day pack. Does your day pack live in your backpack or is it separate? No, it's separate. Okay. So you have a backpack and then pack on the front? Yes. Okay. So when I have a base like my last project required me to be physically present in Mumbai. So for 11 months I had rented an apartment. So that was in the last 5 6 years and then the trips that I took, I went to Thailand, I went to Bhutan. For those trips when I was not living out of my backpack, I only traveled with my day pack, which is like a 20 liter uh, Osprey. Yeah, so I'm quite I I'm a minimalist traveler. Yeah. Wow, it sounds like it. And how did you like Bhutan? I loved Bhutan also. I don't know it's so surprising how they have been able to retain their culture. I guess it's one country where the most been really successful at doing that. And the one thing that I appreciated the most was their how much they really care nature and ensure that there's no pollution. There's no light pollution, there's no sound pollution. But the one thing that bothered me was there were no hostels. and because it's a closed country as in they don't really encourage hordes of tourists 
Yeah. So the, it was very difficult to meet other travelers because uh, barring three countries, every other country nationals requires, you know, you to take a guide and be part of the program. So it's not you don't meet other travelers you uh, that easily, and and the travel there was quite restrictive. Even as passport, I could only spend seven days there, and I could not stray from the route. so i couldn't be sitting in a cafe see a place like it and go there because i in all likelihood i was not allowed to go to that place so i had to stick to a route which i don't really enjoy so much because i am a spontaneous traveler i see a nice place or i meet someone i like to go to that place so that was a little restrictive yeah wow that's interesting i didn't know that about bhutan thank you all for listening I also want to thank Lucy Meisler for the new music which she made specifically for AUA. There's a link to her SoundCloud in the show notes. Thank you Lucy, I love your music. And if you guys liked what you heard today, please subscribe, leave a 5-star rating or review, share it with a friend who would find value from this episode. Any of the above, none of the above. Just thank you for being here. I also have a YouTube channel which I link in the show notes or you can go to the website and unknownadventure.com to find links to the show notes, the blog, the Instagram, YouTube, all that good stuff. And yes, I did just say the Instagram. My goal is to encourage you to achieve your dreams no matter how old you are, 18, 40, 60, whatever. I'm 55. If you have any questions, please DM me on Instagram at an unknown adventure. And remember to keep dreaming big because your adventure awaits and I would love to hear about it. Thank you so much and have a great day. Bye.